And he's going to revive the church. Not just this church, he's going to revive his church in this land. And the clocks will kind of not really matter. Because if you know anything about revival, clocks, uh, clocks go about the window, really. And uh, I just ask, hasten the day, Lord. Hasten the day. Anyway, this morning I'm going to speak on the final part of Ephesians we're in. If you've got your Bible, there you go, Ephesians 6. And we're going through this series. We've gone through this series really on finding your true identity as a believer. And we've gone through the, old, the early passages of who you are in Christ. You're seated in heavenly places. And we've looked at all aspects of Paul's letter. Or not all of it, but a lot of it. But this morning we're getting to <clears throat> the final part. And uh, how many people like making things? How many of the, you get your Ikea thing? And anyone make it without the instructions? <laughs> and you get to the end of it and you think, oh, what's all these bits? And you realise you've missed a bit. Well, this is the practical side of Paul's teaching. A lot of the stuff was who you are. You have to know who you are to be an effective Christian. You have to know that God is for you. He loves you. You belong to him. That nothing can take you out of his hand. You've really got to be secure in Christ. If you can be secure in the love of God, God can do amazing things in and through you. He'll do that anyway, but it's great when you know that confidence. And I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm talking about a confidence in God. That's our inheritance, folks. So if you've got your Bible, Ephesians 6, we're going to read 10 verses, um, verse 10 to the end of the chapter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, I'm just going to say those three words again, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to the end, to that end, keep alert, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am 
an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray this morning that as I declare your word boldly, that it will do its work in our hearts. Lord, we know that your word works. I pray this morning that you will equip us. You will fill us with yourself afresh. Holy Spirit, you will inspire this word. You will bring it to life. Set a fire in our hearts this morning, Lord, for you. Set me on fire, God. Pray for your presence, Lord, in our day. Lord, as we look at this important topic of this invisible war in which we find ourselves. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you can see, um, the title is The Invisible War. And whether you like it or not, as a born-again Christian, if you're a born-again Christian here today, you were born on a battlefield. You're in an invisible war that spans the ages. Now, that doesn't sound very comfortable. You might, you might think, oh, I thought it was all nice being a Christian. It is. It's great to be a Christian. But I want to remind you, it's as if you're being born and you hear, bang, what the heck was that? As a shell just misses you because you're born on a battlefield. But you're not born in a, in a natural battlefield with tanks and guns and bombs going off. You're born in a spiritual battlefield that you can't see. You have to have eyes to see. There's a book on spiritual warfare written by Mark and Grace Driscoll and they said this, from, the be from beginning to end, the Bible is about an unseen realm as real as the visible world. Faith is required to believe in beings as real as we are who live in the world as real as ours. And these travel between these two worlds. What he's saying is, these beings we can't see are as real as us. They impact and, they impact and affect human history and our daily lives. As a result, everything is spiritual and nothing is secular. What happens in the invisible world affects what happens in the visible world and vice versa. Furthermore, everyone is both a physical being with a body that is seen and a spiritual being with a soul that is unseen. Spiritual warfare is like gravity. It exists whether you believe it or not. That's gravity. It exists. It's a law. Spiritual warfare is the, is the same. And it affects you every moment of every day. Now, I want to just address something here. I don't think that everything is, oh, it's the devil. No, it isn't. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's foolishness by us. Sometimes it's a poor decision. But there are some things that are from the evil one that come into our life. C.S. Lewis, who uh, wrote... Anyone read a book called The Screwtape Letters? Interesting little book it is. And C.S. Lewis, that, the guy who wrote Narnia, and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all that, became a Christian at Oxford. He was an atheist. Read the Bible at Oxford, became a Christian. And became a great writer about Christian things. And Screwtape Letters 
is about, uh, it's almost like a, a Pilgrim's Progress type thing where a, it's as if a senior demon is writing to a junior one. And it says this in part of it. What this senior demon says this to the junior one. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. But the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with some delight. There's one bit in the screw tape letters where the senior demon says, our greatest publicity or propaganda is today that nobody believes in us anymore. See, there is a spiritual world. And finally, Paul comes into this section of Ephesians and he starts to talk about the reality of it all. Look down, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I want to start right there. Be strong in the Lord. Not because of who you are in yourself, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that that cross gives us our authority. It gives us our forgiveness. It gives us our freedom. It gives us our new life. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his mighty resurrection, and his reigning in heaven now on our behalf. That's the basis of our victory. In Colossians, Paul says this, and we did this last week. Um, what a great week last week was. Mel and Sophie getting baptised. You, you might recognise the terminology. Paul says in Colossians 2, 12 to 15, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptised. You were buried. And with him you were raised. Because we didn't leave you under the water. <laughs> you were raised to new life. Because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. Get that? He forgave all your sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That's powerful. I think that's my phone. <laughs> Up there. Um, He's done it all. You've got to realise it's a done deal. When Jesus went back to heaven, what did he say in Matthew? Do you remember just before he went back? He said, all what? All authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. All authority belongs to Jesus. He's reigning. So when you look at this spiritual warfare, it's not a, a boxing match like the old Rocky movies, you know, where Jesus walks in and, he's, and the devil's like equal and they have a bit of a set to. 
Oh, it seems it's it's finished. The war's been won, folks. The trouble is, there's some battles we have to fight. There's some battles you're going to have to fight in your life. You're going to go through some stuff. We all will. I go through it. You go through it. We all know what I mean. But he says, be strong in the Lord. It's a command, not a suggestion. Do you fancy being strong in the Lord? No. Come on, be strong. Be strong in who you are in Christ. The Christian life is impossible without the Spirit. Otherwise, you're just trying to be like every other religion. You're trying to cut a code of conduct. I'm trying to keep up. Maybe you've been like that. Maybe you've lived a lot of your Christian life where you're trying to be good and live right in your own strength. Now, I believe in living right. But it's only allowing the Spirit to come alive in you and lead you. That's the Christian journey. Be strong. His strength is with you. But you must have the Spirit in you. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples just before Pentecost? He said, stay in Jerusalem until you've been endowed with power from on high. Now, do you know what? We don't have to stay in Jerusalem anymore because the Spirit has come. See, Jesus had to go to the cross. He had to be buried. He had to be raised. But then he had to ascend to the throne. He said, then the Spirit comes. And Jesus, as we've said before, could only be in one place at one time as a physical man. Though he was God, he could only be in one place at his physical body. But he said, it's good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the Comforter, the one who's just like me, can't come. But when I go to the throne, he's going to come and fill you all. And you can do the things that I've been doing, he said. This is 101 spiritual warfare. Knowing who you are. Filled with the Spirit. If you've not been filled with the Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's essential. Now, to be born again, he has to come into you, make you alive. But there is a coming on of the Spirit on your life. You'll experience his peace and power in a powerful way. Gives you a prayer language called tongues. I'm not going to get into a controversy over it. If you want to speak in tongues, you're filled with the Spirit, guess what? You can speak in tongues. Because you speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit speaks through you, but you did the speaking. But it says, he who speaks in tongues edifies, strengthens himself or herself. That's how you make yourself strong. Jude, little book just before Revelation, says this. He's talking to the church. But you, beloved, building yourselves up, making yourself strong in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit and keeping yourself in the love of God. And waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that that leads to eternal life. What a picture. Are you in the gym with God? You get amazed at Christmas when everyone takes up the gym membership, don't they, after... In January, all these offers are on. And you start going three and four times a week, lifting weights or whatever. Get in God's gym. Get in the Word, get in the Spirit. So listen, folks, this is who we are. So really quickly, I'm going to go through the theatre of our war. 
You ever hear that expression on telly when they talk about the theatre? It's not the place with the curtains, it's where it's happening. It's where the, where the warfare is occurring. Look down at the Bible again. Verse 11, put on, put on the whole armour of God. Put it on each day that you may be able to stand against, can you see the next word, what is it, it begins with S, the, the what? The schemes of the devil. Ooh, what are they? A scheme of the devil. See, he's got some schemes that will come your way. He's been at it for thousands of years. He hates you. He hates me. He hates the church. He hates Jesus. So he likes to mix us a bottle in all sorts of different ways. These are just some of them. You ready? Lies. Anyone believe the lie? Anyone ever heard, you'll never amount to anything? You're not supposed, you, you weren't planned, you know. All those things, what? You can get into your soul, into your spirit, and you think, you'll never amount to anything. I know people who were told by teachers, bless them, years ago, you'll think you are, Kent. You're rubbish at football. I was, actually. <laughs> You're rubbish. And I've said before about, do you remember the line when you'd wait to get picked? Oh. <laughs> do you remember you're trying to push yourself forward? And they look beyond you. And at the end, you're there, you think, oh. And it, man, rejection. It's a scheme of the enemy, you know? Because you start to believe rejection, you start to believe a lie, it'll crush you. And really, you end up existing rather than living. Distrust. You might get that little thought. It comes as a thought, see? Distrust. Oh, they're not really with you, you know. Have you ever had those little voices in your head? Fear. Oh, fear's a big one, man. I can suffer from that very easily. In the night, night season, thoughts can come into your head. He's very good at that, the enemy. Pride. It's going well, you know. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Pride's the very thing that got him kicked out of heaven. And he was Lucifer. Don't like talking about him a lot, but we've got her to do this. He was one of the three archangels. Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer. He led the worship in heaven. You notice how effective music is today, out there. You ever looked at the words people are singing? You can sing along a load of nonsense half the time. It's a nice tune, but nonsense. Any Frank Sinatra fans in here? Don't want to upset you. His, his song, my dad used to call it the devil's signature tune. I did it my way. You're going to do it God's way? You're going to do it... Pride. Disagreement. Unbelief. Oh, huge. Discouragement. Prayerlessness. See, when you start to get discouraged and down, 
usually it will affect your spiritual walk. Oh, I'm not read. I'm not going to read today. I've got too much on. Oh, I'm praying. I'm a bit tired. I don't really want to. Are oh, the prayer meetings on? Well, it's all right. Only a handful, isn't there? Who are they speaking to? Nothing seems to happen. There's a bit of unbelief kicking in there. Prayerlessness, distraction, busyness, busyness, temptations. And just plain sin. And if you can tie you up in that, you feel like you'll never be worthy again. I want to tell you, if that's your case this morning, give it to God this morning. Where you sat. Bring it to the cross and leave it there. Get back up and walk in your identity in Christ. Just look at Acts 6 quickly. Just turn up Acts 6 show you another scheme of, of the enemy. But too quickly, in this little passage, Acts 6, verse 1. This is a growing church in Acts that we're talking about. Things are going well. Acts 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint, oh dear, a complaint, a complaint arose by the Hellenists, Against the Hebrews, this is the, the kind of Greek and the Hebrew thing kicking in. Because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples, said it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, bro- brothers, pick out from you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit, notice, and a wisdom. And we'll appoint them to this duty. And we'll devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So it goes on, it says they chose these deacons, first deacons. Two are mentioned here in detail, Stephen and Philip. Now Stephen, he was the first martyr. Do you see what it says here? They were full of the spirit and wisdom. Now look down at verse 8. Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. This guy's just a servant. He's not some professional preacher. He's going around serving tables, but he's doing miracles. But it says, when you start to do things for God, you'll get a pushback. Then some of those who belong to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, they don't sound very free, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia, and they rose up and disputed with Stephen. But because they couldn't withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking, they secretly instigated men who said, we've heard him speak blasphemy against the words of Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came and seized him and brought him before the council. Basically, what happened there is the church is growing. The apostles start to get distracted. So they appoint some guys to do this and then the enemy thinks, right, we can't stop him. We'll tell some lies about it. And if you read the story on, Stephen loses his life. But it says, when even when they accused him, just in that passage there, he had the face of an angel. <coughs> he knew his God. 
but the enemy didn't like it. So what's the kit list for spiritual warfare? Look down again, Ephesians 6. We get an exhausting list. When I joined my previous job, the amount of equipment I got was unbelievable. And there's a lot of equipment in here for you. Verse 19, verse 13, sorry. Therefore, in fact, let's just go back a bit. We'll go back a verse. One thing you've got to understand about spiritual warfare, it ain't physical. We're not fighting each other, but we can end up fighting each other. We can end arguing and disputing and disagreeing, but there's something going on we can't see, you see. Our battle is not against those things. It's against spiritual forces in, the, in this present darkness. An enemy we can't always see. But we've got to take up this spiritual armour. One thing where you'll get most of your attacks is in here. The mind. The top three inches, as some people go, well, that's actually your brain. Your brain is the physical thing, but your mind is the operation of your brain, how you think. Very important verse from Corinthians. Listen to this. For though we walk, it's very similar to Ephesians. It's in 2 Corinthians 10, this. Though we walk in the flesh, that means you're walking around. Anyone in the flesh, anyone still alive in here this morning? You're in the flesh, you're still living. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Can you say divine power? Divine. Say it again. Divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And listen to this. And take every thought captive. In my old job, I used to have some bracelets on my belt. In case you don't know, I used to be a cop. And if you went into a situation where it was going to kick off, the best thing you can ever do is get them on before there's any trouble. Right? That's the best illustration I can have of a thought. As soon as it enters your head, get the cuffs on it. Stop it, because it will progress. But if you can get them on early, you can deal with it. See, temptation's not a sin. Jesus was tempted, just as we are, but it was without sin. To be tempted is not a sin, it's when you give in. Be that what it may. We all know the tracks it goes down. You've got to get it quick. Take every thought captive. Get hold of it. Stop it. Don't let it take you down the wrong, haven't you? See, there was a time back in Israel's history. It's in 1 Samuel, wherever in. 1 Samuel 13. It's a great story. But it's a story of when Israel in the Old Testament are under the cosh of the Philistines. You know, Goliath, all them lot. And there was one time when the Philistines took all their weapons off them. They, had no, they were the people of God, but they'd lost their weapons. 
It can be us. It says they went to the Philistines to get their pruning implements and their shears and all different things sharpened and they had to pay. It's a picture, you know, folks, of the church losing a sight of who she is. And we just go through religious treadmills and we have no power. A form of godliness that denies the power. But I want to say to you, you have the weapons of your warfare here at your disposal. Don't let the enemy tell you, you haven't got any weapons. Because only Saul and Jonathan had swords then. The rest of the army had no swords. What, what kind of an army is that? You've got weapons. And here they are. Let's look down. Look down in the text. I can't, my glasses are broken this morning. Really funny. John Hickson. I have a, a one-eyed pair of glasses. That's why I keep taking them on and off. So I'm not blinking at you. I'm just having to blink to read. Okay? So let's go through this verse by verse. The belt of truth. It holds everything together. Paul says, put on the belt. Now, if I don't have a belt on, it would be very embarrassing this morning. The belt just keeps everything together. Right? It holds everything together in your life. But on a, on a Roman army uniform, which is what Paul's talking about, everything was on the belt. Everything was on the belt. Your sword, your authority, all sorts of different things were there. A belt in the Roman army was a sign of a status symbol. So remember, your belt in Christ is a reminder of who you are. The truth. Jesus said you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you or make you free. So keep looking at the truth of who you are in Christ. Jesus said this, he said this to the Jews who believe him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You've got to know it. You've got to know the truth, guys. You've really got to know it. Paul says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Mm. The righteousness of Christ is a gift. It's still not something you can earn by good behaviour. It's something that's given you by Jesus through the cross. Totally righteous before God. You think, me? You don't know what my life's like. God sees you, once you're a Christian, as totally righteous. Not perfect. Cedric and I love that verse from Hebrews. It says, we've been made for all time perfect, but we're also being made holy. There's a process. There's a point and a process. You're being made holy as you live. But put on the, on the, the breastplate of righteousness. By the way, this, this body armour, there's no back bit. Have you noticed? It's all to stand and face it. You don't turn around as a Christian and go the other way. You stand with this breastplate that's going to protect your organs. Biggest organ to protect in your life? Your heart. And I don't mean the little pump. I mean the heart, the real you. Proverbs says this, 4.23 in Proverbs, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, 
and above all that, guard it. For out of it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart. When someone discourages you, when you hear bad news, keep your heart pure. Put a guard around it. Let that, bless, let that breastplate of righteousness protect it. Then the arrows will come. They will come. Shoes, what kind of shoes are you wearing? It says, shoes, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now those shoes that the Romans wore, again, shoes were a sign of status. They were a place, and they were also, you can get places with shoes. But what does the Bible say in Isaiah? How beautiful are the feet? Anyone got beautiful feet in here? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who publish peace, who bring good news of happiness. See, this is 700 years before Jesus. It's picturing the very one who came, Jesus himself, with that gospel of peace. And he walked into the life of a Mary Magdalene full of trouble and brought peace and he walked into the life of a greedy tax collector he looked at the week called Zacchaeus and brought peace and I'm sure he's walked into your life has he brought peace? well you take that peace you put those shoes on, those gospel shoes, and walk. Walk where God takes you. The shield of faith. Oh, did you notice what it said? I know I'm running out of time. The shield of faith in all circumstances. Oh, has anyone left the shield behind? Don't leave your shield behind. See, it's easy the shield on a, you know, when there's no conflict. It's a nice bit of kit. Polish it. They used to polish the shields in Rome. They used to put oil on them. Because it would, it would waterproof them, but it would make them glisten. Get your, get your shield nice and clean. Then some, some little dart from the enemy comes against you. You've been a Christian for not long, or maybe you're a Christian for years and you've just cleaned your shield again. And you, I've just cleaned that. He's just thrown all the sick of his lies on you. Oh, look at that. You can discard the shield sometimes. You can lose faith. Anyone lost faith? I have in the past. Put my shield down. Keep your shield. Keep it with you at all times. The testing of faith. The tests do come. There was a test that Carlos spoke about. That's a test of faith. Whatever happens, you trust in. Sometimes things don't work out. Are you still going to trust? Are you still going to hold that shield of faith? The helmet of salvation. Again, we've looked at this. Protecting your mind. I'm going to just read you two verses from Romans 12. Okay? It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God 
because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to live. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. An old preacher called J.B. Phillips wrote a translation of this. He says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. Because it will. It will try and squeeze you into that mould to how it thinks. Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, perfect, and acceptable. I used to get loads of questions when I was a kid. How do you find the will of God? Easy. Live your life for him, each and every day, and think his ways. Think you have the mind of Christ when you're a Christian. Think right. Finally, the sword of the Spirit. Oh, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Don't lose the Word. Do you know there came a time in the Old Testament when they lost the Word of God in the temple? It had gone missing, and it's missing in a lot of churches now. Oh, people don't want to hear Bible preaching. They want some pep talk that you have a better life now. Don't want to hear about sin. Don't want to hear about eternal judgment and hell. But that's the truth. And it would be remiss of me not to say it on this pulpit. If you turn your back on Jesus Christ, you will go to a lost eternity. With the devil, who we've been talking about, and all his angels, a third of them. But if you trust in Jesus Christ... He'll be with you all through this life and beyond. And we'll see him as he really is. And all this trouble will be over forever. The war will indeed then be over forever. But let the word of God dwell in you richly. Hebrews says this. The word of God is living and active. It's full, of, it's full of power. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrates as to the vision of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. And judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let the word of God, when you read it, let it read you. Let it read you. Line your life up with it. I'm going to finish with these words from James if we can see him. Praise God for being in bargain ready readers, James. Spare me a minute. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, your desire 
You desire and do not have. So you murder. You covet, you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Wow. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Wow. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. Listen to this, finishing words. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resisting the devil is one thing. But did you notice what you have to do before that? Submit yourself to God. I'm going to finish there. Just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the sword of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for bringing a people together in this place. Creating a passion for you. Oh, Lord, long may it continue. I pray for more of a passion for your ways, Lord. More of a passion for your Holy Spirit to be active in every area of our life. Thank you, Lord, for the pictures of that furnace. Will you blow on the coals this morning, Father? Father, would you let the river of God flow in this place this morning? I pray, Lord, I pray for any in this room, Lord, who don't know you. Maybe there's one or two who don't know you in that way. Holy Spirit, would you just minister grace to them right now? Maybe that's you this morning. I want to, I want to say to you, in your heart right now, submit to God. Wave the surrender flag. And say, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I turn away from it. And Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fill me this morning and make me alive. That's all it takes, folks. The cry of the human heart. So maybe just cry out where you are, just right now, in your heart. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that for each and every one of us, thank you for this word on the armour that belongs to us. I pray for your protection upon each who leave this place today. Lord, we know the enemy hates us. But Father, whatever he does, we say we will not bow to him. We will press forward. And all the more as we see your day approaching. 
So Father, have your way. We ask all these things in the matchless, wonderful, powerful, all-conquering name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, folks, if you need any prayer, please come out, we'll pray for you. If you were one of those who said, do you know, I want to give my life to Christ today, I'd love you to come and tell us. Come and tell us and pray with you and te- give you some things that will help you. But um, we're done. If you want to come and drink tea and coffee, welcome. God Almighty, who was in this to come.